fine muted my mic, wouldn't it? Yeah, making sure I'm not singing to y'all this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings 18, uh, as we continue our study of what it means to be human like us. As we're preparing for that, as you're getting there, I, I just want to say how thankful I am for the freedom that God has provided us in our nation. It's amazing this morning that we get together and that we get to worship and we get to celebrate Christ and we don't have to worry about getting permission to do this. We don't have to worry about anybody coming in and saying, hey, y'all, you know, are you sure that you're, you're teaching right or anything like that? The, the government's not going to come in and tell us to stop talking about Jesus. I mean, that's an amazing privilege we have in this nation. We have to make sure, I just want to say this up front, we have to make sure that we don't miss our opportunity to worship the one true God. Guys, there are so many people across this world that would love to have the same freedom you have this morning. To be able to gather with God's people openly and freely, not in secrecy, and lift their names up to Him, or lift His name, lift their voices up to Him, sorry. But, I mean, what amazing privilege we have uh, as people who get to live in this great and free nation. But we have to be careful not to, uh, to take advantage of it instead of taking it for granted. And the reason why I want to point this out this morning is when we come to 1 Kings 18, what we see is the people of God had been given the same privilege in a lot of ways that we've been given to worship God, to worship His holy name, and they had squandered their opportunity. They had passed up the chance that God had given them to freely and openly worship Him. In fact, it had gotten so bad in Israel by the time we come to 1 Kings 18 that there's a king and queen Ahab and Jezebel... They had, basically, for all intents and purposes, God was no longer being worshipped in Israel. This was no longer what was happening in the, the people of God, among the people of God. They were worshipping these false gods called Baal and Asherah. And since they were worshipping these false gods, like we talked about last week, God sent a drought. He refused to send rain for three and a half years. He refused to, to allow it to rain on the land at Elijah, his prophet's word. He was calling them to repentance. And for three and a half years, there was no rain in Israel. And for three and a half years, they continued to rebel against God. They continued to refuse to repent. At the end of that time, though, God says, okay, it's time. It's time to call these people to account. It's time for them to make a choice. It's time for them to understand that I'm the one true God. And so when we come to 1 Kings 18, there's a special verse in verse 21 that, that really symbolizes and shows us this truth that God wants us to understand this morning, this choice that we have to make. Uh, 1821, 1 Kings 18.21, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people did not answer him a word. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that as we go through your word, as we look at your, this passage of scripture this morning, God, as we learn of the choice that we are called to make, God, that you would give us the courage to, to choose you, to follow you. Lord, I pray that as we think about what it means to live in a nation like we live in, where we have this freedom to worship you, God, that we would thank those that have fought and died to give us that freedom. Uh, that you have raised up to allow us to be able to do that this morning. God, I pray that we would not waste our opportunity, but God, that we would use it for your glory, that we would use it for your honor, and that we would serve you uh, with the freedom you have given us. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so I want to begin here this morning because I feel like here uh, is the, the heart of the master or the matter. We can't have two masters. We can't serve two masters. We have to choose God or the world because we can't have both. Remember, God won't share his glory with another. And so Elijah says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? It's interesting this word limping means lame, like more lame than using the word lame my favorite part of looking at this passage this morning. I don't know how many times I'm going to get to say the word lame. When was the last time you heard lame, huh? So it's exciting times for me. And so Elijah says, how long are you going to go on being lame? How are you going to go on being worthless? Why are you continuing to be lame between these two positions, these two opinions? When are you going to make a choice? When are you finally going to decide who you're going to follow? He, he is saying here, you can't have both. You can't have it both ways. The same thing that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says you can't serve God and money. You can't serve God in this world. You can't do both. You can't have it both ways. You have to make a choice. Either you're going to love the one and hate the other or vice versa. If you try loving God and serving God and serving the world at the same time, it's not going to work. That's what these people were trying to do. They were trying to serve God on on Sunday and then serve Baal on Monday. It's not going to work because if you have two masters, guess what happens? Eventually, your masters are going to disagree about how you should be spending your time. Eventually, your masters are going to decide that you need to go this way and this way at the same time. Can't, can't do it. You can't go two directions at the same time. That's why Jesus says you've got to choose if you're going to serve God or serve the world. Elijah says the same thing. Because, see, here's what happens. Baal says, hey, you, you want your crops to grow? Well, just go down and spend some time with the prostitutes at the temple. God says, if you want to receive my blessing and worship me, be faithful to your family, be faithful to your wife. Whoever is your true master is the one you're actually going to obey. But if you're trying to run back and forth between the two constantly, you're never going to get anywhere. And I think that's really a lot of our issue as Christians today is we want to follow Christ and we want to get his blessings, but we also really, 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 really want to do what everybody else is doing. We really, really, really want to fit in to the culture around us. We want to chase whatever we want to chase. I mean, it's cool and all being a Christ follower, so long as it doesn't cost me anything. So long as I don't have to put my career on hold to serve Him. So long as I don't have to say no to spending my time the way that everybody else spends their time with. I, I was, it's sort of a, a funny story, I was talking with a friend of mine this week, and he was, ta- he was talking about a, a, a pastor he's dealing with, and he said that this pastor was telling him, he said, you know, I really want to be a pastor, but I don't want weekends off. I don't want to work on Sunday. And we were just talking about it. It was like, you know you can't do both, right? <laughs> I mean, Sunday's kind of a big day for us. But, but I, I think that's what we try to do with Christ. We think, well, you know, I, I really want to serve Christ and I want to follow him, but I kind of want Sundays off. I kind of want the rest of the week off. I, don't, I, don't, I want to serve him, but I only want to serve him when I want to. You can't serve two masters, guys. You can only have one. You have to make a choice this morning. What is God calling you to do? You're called to do what he tells you to, not what you want to do. You can't have two gods. And the reason why is because of what Elijah says here. He says, if God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. In other words, whoever you choose as your God is going to decide the way that you live life. God actually expects you to obey him. God actually expects to be master and king of your life. If Baal is your master and Baal is your God, then you're going to do what he says. If God is your master and God is your, uh, your, your king and your, your Lord, then you're going to do 
what he says. I, I love what one commentator said about it. He said, God is not an idea you play with, but a king to whom you submit. He's not someone we sit around, it's not like this cosmic idea where we sit around and just talk about ideas and theology and stuff like that. No, he actually is someone that we're called to submit to, called to follow, called to obey. But if we're constantly running back and forth every time he says something we don't like, guys, we're not really serving him, we're not really following him. I mean, how lame is that, right? I mean, think about it like this. Uh, so, uh, not to bring up a sore subject, but after the ball game the other night with the Razorbacks, how many people stopped being fans, right? I mean, how lame is that, right? They're, they're fans all the way up until they lost, and they're like, oh, I'm not a fan. Well, you know, I, I made my choice. I, I, I'll be honest, I'll confess, I didn't watch one game. I'm not a huge Razorback fan. It's not because I don't like the Razorbacks. I'm just, I'm not a big sports fan, and so I try to watch it some, but, you know, I try to follow it, but... And I'm thankful for people who do, and that's great. But, but how many people, all the way up until the time that they lost, were the b- biggest Razorback fans in the world, they lose and like, oh, they're terrible. I'm never watching another game. You know? How lame is it to decide every time that God says, I want you to do something you don't want to do, you say, nah, I don't like you anymore. How many times do we say, God, I want to follow you until things don't go the way we want them to, and we say, ah, I think I'm going to take my marbles and go home. I'm going to quit serving you at this point. I think I'm going to quit following you because you're not doing what I want you to do. Guys, this morning we have to decide who we're going to worship. Are we going to worship God or are we going to worship money? Are we going to worship God or popularity or our job? Or you, you fill in the blank. See, the truth is, here in 2018 in America, it is the same as in Elijah's day in 853 B.C. Like 3,000 years ago, the same choice is in front of us. We can choose to worship the one true God or we can choose to worship false gods in the world around us. The one difference is this morning is that the choice you get to make isn't going to land you in jail. You're free to to choose him. There's no law against worshiping Christ this morning. And so I want to walk through what it looks like to, to serve the Lord versus what it looks like to serve the world. And so I want us to see that the priorities of God are different than the priorities of the world. God is concerned about people in their eternity. The world around us is concerned about, well, it's concerned about stuff, the here and the now. So remember, there's a drought going on in Israel. Remember, there are people starving to death all over this nation. It's not a good day for Israel. It's not a happy day for these people. And so we come to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, and we, we see that God, like I said, is beginning to pull them in and causing them to make a choice. It says that after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. And then, last part of verse 3 here, Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and then verse 4, And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. So first off, Obadiah. He's a guy you may not have heard of. He's a guy who's a little-known prophet here, and he's working in, apparently, Ahab's government. He's a, he's a top government official. But he's a man who greatly fears the Lord. For him, the Lord, he is God. 
So when he gets the chance, what he does is he takes God's men, these men who were charged with sharing the word of God with God's people, and he goes and he hides them by 50s in caves. He takes 50 and he puts them over here in this cave, and he takes 50 and put them over here in this cave. And so at great risk to his own life, at great risk to his own uh, self, he does something that's amazing. He hides these men so that they can still be there to serve the Lord and still be there to preach God's word. And then he makes sure they have bread and water. He takes care of them. He puts his job at risk. He puts his life at risk. He does all of this because he believes that God is God. And so he, he is worried about the people hearing God's word and he's worried about making sure that they will continue to hear God's word. I, I want you to think about this. Obadiah didn't show up, preach, and then leave. No, Obadiah showed up, got up, and went to work every day with a man and a woman who most likely will kill him if they find out what he's doing. You know, sometimes we think of Elijah as this, this great man of God and this great brave person, and he is, don't get me wrong, but which is more terrifying, to show up and say, hey, it's not going to rain, and then disappear for three years, or to be someone who follows the Lord and fears the Lord and work alongside the guy who might kill you for believing the Lord and trusting the Lord every single day and doing whatever you can to help the people around you? Guys, I, I want to encourage you this morning because I, I think Obadiah is a lot like us in America today. Guys, the uh, only difference is, again, we're, we're free to worship the Lord. We're free to serve Him. There are people around us who need to hear the gospel. And the best way they get to hear the gospel is when we're around them. It is important for us to not simply withdraw and isolate ourselves from the world around us. Sometimes that's what God calls us to do. That's what Elijah was called to do, and that's great. I'm glad Elijah was able to do that. But more often than not, God calls us to be Obadiah, to get up, Go to work every day and do whatever we can to serve the Lord and to serve the people around us, to take the eternal view. So that's, that's the people who follow the Lord. Look at the people who don't follow the Lord in verse 5. And Ahab, remember the wicked king, said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So Obadiah is saving prophets and getting them water and bread. Ahab's worried about his, his livestock. Ahab's worried about losing his stuff in the middle of the drought. He's not concerned with the people so much as he is concerned with his money. You see, for them, livestock would have been money. That would have been his bank account. Ahab is worried about the bottom line. He's worried about what's right in front of him. He's not worried about God. He's not worried about God's people. He's not worried about eternity. He's worried about his bank account. God, the difference between false gods of this world and the one true God is that the false gods will focus you in on what's right in front of you, on stuff. The one true God is going to focus you on eternity and how you can help people get uh, to heaven. And so God is concerned with you for all eternity. The world is willing to offer you a little comfort for today. Jesus offers you peace that passes understanding that can never be taken away. Where is your priority this morning? Is it on what's right in front of you? Is it on the stuff of this world? Or is it focused on the one true God of the universe? And so Obadiah is a man who wants to serve the Lord and wants to be focused on the Lord and serve him. Uh, Ahab is not. And so Ahab sends Obadiah out to find water. And as he goes out to find water, he runs into Elijah. Remember, Elijah's been hiding out for three years. Well, Elijah's back in town. And he runs into Obadiah and he says, Hey, Obadiah, go tell Ahab I got something I want to talk to him about. And Obadiah's like, man, you trying to get me killed? Do you not know who Ahab is? Do you not know that he has searched the entire world, the entire land to try and find you? 
I know what's going to happen, Elijah, uh, what I says. He says, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, hey, Ahab, Elijah's back in town. And as soon as I say Elijah's back in town, the Holy Spirit's going to pick you up and carry you somewhere else. And then I'm a dead man. Because Ahab's going to think I'm playing games and think I'm lying. No, thank you. What did I ever do to deserve this from you? And Elijah's like, no, I'm staying right where I am. I promise I'm not going anywhere. I promise that I will stand and I will talk to Ahab. And so Ahab and Elijah meet. And Ahab says, there you are, you troubler of Israel. Here's the man who caused all these problems. Because Ahab still believes that this drought's not his fault. He still believes that it's Elijah's fault simply because Elijah preached the word of God to him. But Elijah says, no, you have troubled Israel because you have led them into idolatry. You've led them away from the Lord. He says, you're the one who brought this trouble. He says, in fact, it's over. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to have a, a, a final showdown, if you will, on Mount Carmel. Tell all the prophets of Baal and Asherah to gather up, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to decide today once and for all. And so Ahab does, and they meet on Mount Carmel. Elijah versed everybody, basically. So, so look at verse 22. <clears throat> then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. He's like, it's just me. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. 450 men. So one on 450. Sounds like great odds, right? Verse 23. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. And so they, the, the lines are drawn. There, there's going to be a showdown. The God who sends fire is the true God. So we come to verse 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. Notice everything is stacked in their favor. There's more of them. They're on Mount Carmel, by the way, which is where they all believe Baal lived. Uh, everything is in their favor. They get to go first, everything. O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. Remember Elijah says, quit limping between two opinions? Well, it's really funny. The Hebrews, uh, the way that they describe people who worshipped other gods when they described the dance that they were doing, was they, they used the same word, this lame. So basically they had lame dancing going on. So, you know, it'd be like me standing up here trying to dance for you this morning. There's lame dancing happening. So that's, that's the way that God describes what they're doing. They're dancing lamely. And so they're dancing around, waiting on something to happen. I just got to get the lame part out of my system. I'm sorry, but, but I, I never get to say it. So, so they were lamely dancing, waiting on Baal to do something. Then you come to verse 27. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And so Elijah, he begins to mock them. He's like, guys, maybe he just can't hear good. He is a God, after all. I mean, maybe he's musing. Maybe he's in deep thought about the mysteries of the universe. Maybe you just need to yell loud enough to shake him out of it. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on with Bell. Or maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's just out of town. Are you getting that automatic reply on the emails? That's what's going on. Out of the office until next month. Or, or maybe he's just taking a nap. Maybe he got really sleepy. Maybe he worked too hard last night. 
And so Elijah just mocks them. He, he sort of makes fun of them because they are worshiping, they are praying to a false god. And so, we come to verse uh, 28, and it says, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. We need to understand something about these people and the way that they thought. They thought the more activity they had, the more that they could convince their God to do something. They thought that they could convince Baal to obey them. They're trying to manipulate their God. You see, anytime we create a God in our own image, that's what we're expecting to do. We're expecting to be able to control that God. And so their plan is, we will prove to him how much we love him, and if we prove how much we love him, then he'll answer us. And so they begin to cut themselves <coughs> and allow blood to just rush out of their bodies as they're trying to convince Baal. Verse 29 says, And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Guys, this no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. When you pray to a false god, don't be surprised when there's no answer. If you're trying to worship someone who isn't there, don't be shocked when they don't answer. It's not going to happen. Compare this. Compare what these men did. Compare the way that they're trying to get Baal's attention with what Jesus says and the way that we ought to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In other words, God's always paying attention. The one true God of the universe always has His eye on His people. He knows what we need. He knows we need our daily bread. He knows what you need this morning. You don't have to jump up and down and say, over here, over here, over here. He already knows. He knows everything about you. The difference between Elijah and these other men is these other men thought that they could control and manipulate their God. And what Jesus tells us is, no, 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 that's not how it works. He already knows what you need. Just ask Him. You don't have to prove how much you love Him. He answers your prayer not because of how much you love Him, but because of how much He loves you. That's the difference between the false gods of the world and the one true God. He answers us based on His love, not ours. And so Elijah, he, he is showing this, he's going to show this through the way that he asked for, for the fire. So he, is, he stacks the deck against God. If, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you already know this, but, but just a, a quick reminder, he uh, rebuilds the altar of God there on Mount Carmel. He, he gets everything ready, and then after he gets everything ready, he says, God's throwing some water. Now, if you're getting ready to start a fire, what's the opposite thing that you want to do? All right, throwing water? And he's like, throw it on again. One more time until the entire moat, the trench that he dug around the, the, the altar was filled up with water. It's soaking wet. He's getting ready to show that what's about to happen can only happen if God intervenes. He's sort of like the guy on late night TV with that knife that he cuts through like a wheel and he's like, see, and then he, slide, and then he uh, you know, peels a tomato. Like, see, never, never dull blade, you know. That's what Elijah's doing. The only difference is, is Elijah's not a con man. Like, he's actually telling you the truth. And so he wants these people to know that there's no human way to light this fire. And so we come to verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, 
and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire, verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust uh, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. I want you to know it's first that Elijah didn't dance. He's a good Baptist, right? So he stands there, and he doesn't dance. I've been using that line for a long time, convinced my wife I don't need to learn how to dance. And so I'm a Baptist, I can't. But anyway, so Elijah doesn't dance. He doesn't jump up and down. He doesn't cut himself. He doesn't try to convince God. All he does is he says, God, I'm not going to make a deal with you. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I simply want these people to know who you are. You show them who you are. Elijah wants to make it very clear this is not Elijah's doing. This is God's doing. God is the one at work here. You you see, and and so when God sends the fire, he doesn't simply light the altar. He doesn't simply light the offering on fire. No, he consumes the the rocks that are there. He consumes the wood. He even consumes the, 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 the water that's there. There's nothing left. Why does he do this? He does it to show that he can do all and more than we could ever ask or even think. You see, we think we know what he's going to do. We think we know what he should do. We think we know what we need. Then he answers our prayers. And the way that he answers our prayers is greater than we could have ever imagined. It's more amazing than we could have ever imagined. When God answers us from heaven and he answers our prayers, they're always so much better than what we thought we needed and what we thought uh, he needed to do. God, if you just listen to me, if you just... Do what I tell you to do. Everything would work out. No, we need to listen to God and allow Him to work. Because when He answers, when we allow Him to answer, He answers in ways that we never even thought possible. And so He says, He shows from heaven that I am the one true God and these people will return to Him. And they they say, He is truly the one true God who actually listens when His people pray. And guys, as we look at this passage this morning, I want you to understand that the way you're going to make it through this week The way you're going to make it through this month, this year, is not by being better or smarter or stronger or more brave than the people around you. It's by doing what Elijah and Obadiah did and said, the Lord, he is God. I'm going to follow him. The Lord, he is God. I'm going to serve him. I'm not going to serve the gods of the world that offer false promises. I'm going to serve the one true God who has my eternity in mind, not a brief moment of comfort. You may be here this morning and you're saying, there's no way I could ever serve God. There's no way I could ever be forgiven. There's no way that He would ever truly love me. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're like, man, how can I ever turn around? Look at all the ways that I've worshipped the things of this world. Look at all the ways I've thumbed my nose at Him. Well, As we look at this passage, we do learn God doesn't tolerate double agents. Like He doesn't tolerate us worshipping Him and trying to worship the stuff around Him, around us. He doesn't, right? I mean, he's going to punish those who do that. But we also see that God is quick to forgive. He is quick to to offer forgiveness and to offer mercy. We we don't have time to get into it, but immediately after this, Elijah goes and he prays. And after he prays, God sends the rain to show that him and Israel are good. He didn't have to. 
Guys, he didn't have to send Elijah. He didn't have to say, I want you back. He could have simply left it as it was and walked away from them. But instead, he chose to do whatever it took to prove to them he wanted them back, to prove to them that he loved them so much that he wanted to forgive them and he wants to be their God. The same thing is true for us. He loves you so much that he sent his own son to die in your place so that you could spend eternity with him, to wipe away all the wrong you've done. He sent Jesus to the cross to wipe away all the sins you've committed. Uh, And all he asks from you is that you turn and you put your faith in him. These people didn't do anything but say, the Lord, he is God, and God sent the rain. This morning, he calls you to simply say, the Lord, he is God. I want to serve him. I want to follow him. I want to stop following the way I was going and serve him. Guys, quit trying to have it both ways. Quit trying to earn it. Simply trust him, believe on him, depend on him, and find forgiveness. If you would stand with me, and as you stand, I'm going to pray for us. And after I pray, we're going to have a a moment of invitation. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, but you've been trying to play it both ways, I'm going to ask you to repent of that and turn back to him. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted on him. You've never put your faith in him. I'm asking you to do that as well this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your glory. God, I pray that as we gather in this place today that you would receive honor and praise. God, I pray for those who don't know you this morning that you bring them to know you. Those that do know you, that you would, that you would uh, just give them the strength they need to serve you in a world that seems uh, so crazy at times. God, give them encouragement and peace this morning through the, the power of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.